Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Corey Parson with his favorite NFL and NBA plays on this Thursday evening. We will also ask if he's copyright, copyrighted the phrase, plus money bangers. And then at 1020 Eastern time, Ian McMillan of BetSided will help us excavate the best plays from week 15. And we will tease him about his Blue Jays missing out on Shohei Otani. We hope that he still has a wonderful holiday season. But first, we know Giannis will, in all likelihood, have a fantastic holiday stretch. We talked about this yesterday, that we felt like there was some value on Giannis Antetokounmpo to win MVP. Well, maybe that value was short-lived, because against the Pacers last night, he hung 64 points without a single three. It's the first time in the NBA that someone reached 60 points without a triple since Shaq in 2000. And because of this one game, Giannis is now third in points per game in the NBA with 32 and sixth in total rebounds per game at 10.8. Giannis's MVP number is now at plus 750, however. So, Joe, what to you are the biggest ramifications from this performance? See, I mean, that wasn't even the lead to me. The lead was the NBA drama that we got after the game. That's what everybody was talking about. Hell yeah. I was on Giannis over 34 and a half because of that matchup. We've seen that matchup a few times this year, and he dominates every single time. Um, it, it seems like a high number when you look at it, but against the Pacers, when you have a big that could score like this, you've got to go over on those numbers every single time. That stands out. Also, everything you mentioned about the threes, uh, yeah, 32 shots from the charity stripe. When you get that many opportunities to score that much, right. um, there you go. That's I don't know how to defend them. <laughs> Yeah, you crushed it going over 60, but I don't know. Is it unfortunate? I don't even think it is unfortunate because it's the NBA being the NBA. It was so ridiculous. The whole scene, just watching the video, Giannis and Halliburton, I don't want to say getting into it a little bit. Uh, we can go go over some of the details and everything that went on for those that missed it. But, you know, I wanted to be on this game because it, it felt like in Vegas got a bit of a rivalry bubbling up mm-hmm. oh boy do we have a rivalry here i know nobody pays attention to two divisions but i i've been keeping an eye on the pacers and that division would they be able to catch milwaukee but just how they met up uh near the end in the in-season tournament i can't believe the in-season tournament is is kind of uh giving us a bit of a rivalry but i think it it is and uh this is going to be awesome because a lot of us believe that Halliburton's going to be a star for many years to come we know what Giannis mm-hmm. is up in Milwaukee, and uh, I, I think it's good to to have this. You know, not something that you would expect a couple of Midwest NBA teams going at it. But, Aaron, this is going to be fun uh, for years to come. We can go over the whole game ball date, gate or whatever. We want <laughs> oh, man, should we just get into it now? Because That's that was spectacular. I mean, Giannis deserved that ball, and I believe him. If he has a ball and he was like, this is not the game ball that I just played with. I know the difference. I believe him. And I'm sorry, you drop points like that and break a record. You should get that ball. Period. That's my opinion. The fact that they went and chased the Pacers guys down in the hallway. I mean, if someone's really hurt, it's not never a good thing. But I 
I don't blame them. I think it's petty that they took that ball. Yeah, so Pacers take away the game ball from Giannis, and I believe uh, Indiana coach Rick Carlisle said that they wanted to give the ball to Oscar Shibwe, a rookie. Yeah. Of course, uh, had a pretty good career at Kentucky, uh, but he scored his first official NBA point in the contest, and they felt like mm -hmm. he deserved the game ball. Uh, but because that ball was taken away, that some players and some folks from Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they were tracking down the Pacers and trying to get into the tunnel and figure out, okay, who do we need to talk to to get the game ball back? And then apparently there was a scuffle and uh, the Pacers GM uh, was apparently elbowed in the ribs, according to one of the Milwaukee players, or uh, Carlisle may have also conferred that report. Uh, but basically, uh, now these two teams don't like each other. Uh, if they didn't already, now there's a, a They real... didn't already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't already. Exactly. Like, this yeah. was uh, already ugly to begin with. And now, uh, where is the game ball? Who has the game ball? What's going to happen to this? Uh, suffice to say, this is something that uh, will continue to spur bad blood. Well, Carlisle brought up a good a good point, I thought, in his post game, and, and if you mm -hmm. pay close attention, this is accurate. There are always multiple game balls. So mm -hmm. it, it's not like there's one that Giannis made every shot with. We're constantly seeing referees swap out game balls. And I also mm -hmm. believe that there's no way Giannis got one of the game balls. There's at least two for every single game. And Carlisle was talking about that. And I think he's right. And, and it's fine for Giannis to get one. And it's fine for Shibway to get one. It's probably much ado about nothing. But the players feel slighted. Giannis feels mm -hmm. slighted and, and that's yeah. what really matters here like it, it's yeah it's a lot of drama I mean Giannis was acting a little ridiculous and to do that on the court like take it into the hallway and just just I, how serious I told they you made he's a but baby. I guess remember last baby. week we had this conversation about him <laughs> well also like and he talked about it and I I kind of understand where he's coming from because he pointed out that he didn't get the game ball from game six of the NBA finals in 2021. So this is something that's mm -hmm. really bothered him. And for the first time he scores more than 60, he's like, I should get the game ball. You know, it, it probably took a while for cooler heads to prevail. So I think that played into his emotions on the court in front of everyone last night. I agree. Like him saying that he didn't have the game ball from the finals. I felt like this ball triggered him from that moment yeah. and he's been holding on to it and he's probably like here we go again and just couldn't keep his cool i still think you know shibwe you know scoring his first points in the nba what Giannis did is a bigger deal in my opinion i think he should have the ball that he wants oh, yeah. but it's <laughs> uh it's all just hilarious and good entertainment at the end of the day the other thing is did you guys see the shot where Giannis like hugs halliburton during the yeah. game, like, kind of like, yeah. So it's like, it's a great rivalry, but I thought Giannis showed some respect. Like, hey, like, we don't like each yeah. other, but, like, I still respect you. And I thought, I, you know, that was cool of him. Is it that he's a for like individual players and, and okay, that's fine, but say the organization or those who are, you know, handling <laughs> such matters as far as game balls, he doesn't like them. I also wonder too, like, yes, this idea of being triggered, I think is uh, spot on, but also is Milwaukee like, are the Bucks, are they just this bad? 
at taking care of props and things that belong to them, et cetera, et cetera. And he's just losing his cool and he can't blame his own team or his own organizers. So he's got to let out that frustration elsewhere. Like, is there, say, a certain level of incompetence as far as making sure that these kinds of things are protected and taken care of? So, yeah, the, the equipment manager, basically, I guess. Would that basically. be the guy? Yeah. You got to have a guy. Mm -hmm. I I believe right. it's still uh, Trevor Paulson, P-O-U-L. <laughs> Trevor, come on, man. Get it together. What are we doing here? This is Giannis. Mm -hmm. You got to make sure he gets everything he wants. We never want him to demand a trade. Uh, let's keep him happy. Whatever Giannis <laughs> says, Giannis he gets. Okay? Like, come on. Jesus, get get him the damn game ball. Give him the game ball for every single game if that's what he wants. Who the hell cares? It's Giannis because without him, your organization is nothing. But yeah, yes. Well, uh, Giannis, also up Giannis here, like, way way down here. I don't care right. about yeah. damn basket, buddy. <laughs> exactly. But Giannis was also like, I'm sending this to my mom anyway, and he almost made it seem like he doesn't care, but he did. He did care. It was a big deal to him. So I don't. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's got to be if there's multiple game balls, there's got to be what just run it by him. You want this one? Or do you want this one? You know, let him have his first pick and move on with life. It could be more simple. Yeah. Right. Is he a sports memorabilia guy? I wonder, like some people don't care like they don't put any of their old stuff up in their homes so like that doesn't define me and some people they, they just want it and you know there's also the idea of somebody who has nothing to do with Giannis or the game or anything taking the ball and and making you know like I don't know 50 grand or something at an auction like is that right too like there are a lot, there's probably a lot of stuff going going through his mind like people making money off of him I'm sure is something that he grapples with every single day but you know what? We ended up talking about it because of, of that. You know, it would have been a quick note about the 60 points and MVP otherwise, but because of all that drama, that's why we love the NBA. We, we are talking a lot. I'm telling you, the in-season tournament and, and what it's done, it is, we're talking about the NBA a lot more than we would most years in December. A lot more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are. And I also think like the Pacers, we're talking about them probably in a much more respectful way than just this kind of flash in the right. pan, right? Like they are the instigators in some ways, or at least you can have that perspective that they're the instigators. Who are the Pacers? Who are they to go up against Giannis and the big bag bucks who just won a championship a couple of years ago? Well, because of the in-season tournament, they got to the finals there. They have Rick Carlisle, who's mm -hmm. been around the block more than a couple of times, who also has a championship. Like, now we are looking at these random teams in a much more respectful way, and that is a whole lot of fun. Because otherwise, like, we could imagine the Pacers being, say, one and done in the playoffs. But in this yep. context, we're generating publicity for the NBA, and we're doing it with teams and with regions we otherwise wouldn't. 100%. And without that in-season tournament, is this as big of a deal? Probably not. Definitely not going into that game. Mm. Oh, and by the way, in our world, uh, highest total we've seen since 1991, and it flies over. It goes over last mm -hmm. night. Well, it closed at 258. Uh, and, uh, you know, yesterday we're opening with a, d a different NBA story, too, for, for something else in Draymond. And Adam Silver, we'll see. I mean, by saying indefinitely, it feels like it's minimum 25 games for Draymond. Like, and that's something else we'll be following for another reason. That's just the NBA, man. Like a lot of this stuff, right. a fight, obviously that's going to be a big story in, in any sport, but there's no way, you know, a, 
a home run or, or a ball in baseball, anybody cares about it. Or in football, the game ball, unless it's the flate gate. Like, it's just, it's just a perfect NBA story. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And I'm glad, you know, to hear about indefinitely. I hope, you know, these are the kind of consequences that he needs to take a look at this because it's starting to become a distraction like for the wrong reasons like i'm all for what happened last night i think it's fun but like this is too much this is over the top Mm -hmm. which right you don't want anybody to get hurt like there's a big difference between say you know yelling at each other maybe a shove or two something like that but when you're actually throwing punches and hurting guys uh in the on the court feel to play whatever i think it's a very mm-hmm. very different animal altogether so in that mm-hmm. respect that is a big concern um what is it uh sham sharania saying uh dream on green expected to receive counseling and work with the warriors and nba while suspended and uh, has to meet some criteria before he returned to play boy this feels uh like something where it's not just uh making sure that his mental health is in a good space but also he's got to jump over a bunch of hurdles just to get back out there on the floor yeah I mean, you got to take those steps. You have to. Right. I don't know that it's going to work. Uh, I don't know <laughs> that he's ever had counseling or he talks to anybody at all outside of the podcast. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, you've got it, minimum. You got to start taking those steps. I was thinking about it. You know how we talk about how much money do you have to have on a game to like get a sweat going? Like, yeah. did it become for Draymond? Like, you're this great defensive player, but now like you need more. Like, is that what he's going to be talking about in counseling? Like, what? Why did it escalate to this level for him? Yeah. It's very fascinating from a psychological perspective. Like, you're putting, <laughs> you're choking guys out now. Like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah, well, well, go call Dana White then, if that's what you want to do. Like, if you need a little bit of extra, Dana White would be glad to put a fight together for you, and you'd all make millions. It, you know, people would check in. I'll, I'll check in as well, and we'll be betting on yeah. that. But, uh, I mean, let, let's I stop like doing it. this. How, how much would the pay-per-view ticket be worth? How much would a seat in, say, Vegas, like right next to the octagon with Draymond Green fighting, like how much would a ticket cost for both things, you think? Yes, LeBron? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down. See, like in that situation, I'd be like, let's go, Draymond. Let's go. Let's do this. (laughs) All right. Which NBA player would you like to see Draymond in the octagon with? A Jokic? Oh my gosh! I would do. Oh, with that. the brothers banging on the cage. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Or a Jokic yes. doesn't have to be Nicola. Oh. Just a Jokic. I would oh, love man. that. Yeah, any one of them. So good. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, we know it has to be a big, right? Like, heck, we're talking about Giannis and and him getting into it with other people. Like, I wouldn't be against that. We still want him to play. Mm-hmm. Like, don't want anyone to get hurt. But a big, mm-hmm. we, we can at least settle for that. This is Becky Well Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, another football game. Al Michaels will revel in calling Chargers at Raiders. Let's go right here on the Becky Well Network. Welcome back to Becky Well Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's time to talk Thursday night football here. It's the Chargers and the Raiders. Easton Stick will be going for Los Angeles, but the quarterback for Las Vegas, uh, perhaps a bit of an unknown here. Currently, the Raiders are three-point favorites with a total of 34 and a half. So as the Raiders figure out the quarterback situation while the Chargers go with Easton Stick, who we are told by Brandon Staley is a winner, 
Joe, my question to you yeah. is, if we assume that this game lasts three hours, how much of that time will be spent really analyzing and breaking down this game? And how much of that time will be spent playing with Tucker? <laughs> you know, a lot of the time we, we think it's going to be an awful game. And then sometimes the NFL surprises yeah. us. Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I'll be hanging out with Tucker. I mean, it'll be on the TV, but will I actually be watching it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I can't talk about this guy or or just like talk about betting on Easton stick or hear his name without thinking about the Easton bat that I had for way too long. Like I had one for so long. Like I think about it now. I see these kids walk up every year with the new bat, like all 300, $350 each every year. Get, they get, they upgrade to a new bat. Like it's just so ridiculous. Like you better get more mm -hmm. than a couple of hits, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I better not suck again this year, son. Yeah, yeah. You, you better. You can't blame the bat. It was enough of blaming right. the bat, blaming the umpire. Let's step up now. I'm. Can you tell I'm getting ready? Winter training starting in a couple of weeks. After the the, the Joe Ostrowski uh, motivational year. speaker uh, tour up. continues. We need you mic'd Let's up go. for this. Right, you're a regular Tony uh, Robbins. You know that. <laughs> getting it out of my system before the practices actually start but yeah i mean yeah, yeah. keenan allen's out to like we would think okay everything's gonna go to him um i i know the eckler props look it's popular okay fine what why would you line up a bunch of overs on anything in this game right shouldn't we just be yeah. looking opposite with this total of 34 and a half and easton stick and whichever quarterback they end up going to so um, the Aiden O'Connell situation is interesting. I think it's going mm -hmm. to be O'Connell. Uh, does anybody believe it's Jimmy G? Like, I get the idea that if it is Jimmy G, maybe you should consider the Raiders at laying only three against Easton Stick and against all these players that are missing. But, like, the, the note that people are missing is if you're risking injury with Jimmy G – the Raiders are going to owe him an extra $11 million next year if he can't pass a physical. Uh, so that's going to – I think that's the tricky part. It, it feels like he's going to stay benched. Does anybody think that Jimmy G or Hoyer have a, have a shot at playing in this? Because I, I don't. I think it's going to be the O'Connell experience again. Okay, maybe I'm alone, but I almost forgot about Jimmy G for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah Jimmy G. Wait, is where is he? Still alive. Yeah, Where is he? he's yeah. still alive. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even think of that possibility. When he was the quarterback, he was barely putting up any points, too. So another under. I mean, that is a big problem. Remember Devontae throwing a fit, and then all of a sudden, he's getting the ball more. Everybody was happy there for a while, and then that honeymoon ended. So this is a tricky one. <laughs> Yesterday, we did our five teams to fade. For the remaining right. uh part of the season and chargers were on my list so i'm like too. oh man that means i have to be on the raiders here i'm gonna stick to it simply because they do have Devontae adams someone's got to get him the ball the chargers defense stinks so i'm gonna stick to it and be on the raider side here okay the smart thing to do <laughs> <laughs> the smart thing to do for the Raiders would be to stick with Aiden O'Connell, even though since week nine, his numbers have been absolutely atrocious. Uh, I think he's been bottom three in total EPA and success rate uh, since he's been starting games. 
So the smart thing to do for the Raiders would be to stick with them so you know exactly what you have. And you guys are right. Like, it is an easier challenge going up against this Chargers pass defense than it has been, say, some of these other units over the last few weeks. But should we assume the Raiders are going to do the smart thing? I think that is a leap in logic to believe that the Raiders are going to do smart things in key spots. What I think will happen, Joe, is that Aiden O'Connell will start, but the leash will be short. And then they might go to Brian Hoyer after that and say, like, unscripted plays, you know, midway through the second quarter, maybe starting the second half, something like that, when they – conclude that Aiden O'Connell just can't move the ball consistently down the field. That's what I'm expecting to happen. So if that's the case, then what do I do with this first half? Probably side with the Chargers as far as that's concerned. Ultimately for the full game, I will take the points because while we do believe that there is a lot of dysfunction when it comes to the Chargers, I think it's way worse when it comes to the Raiders with an interim head coach who's trying to prove himself. And certainly Pierce has been great at winning the, the news conference, and that's cool. But when it comes to actually evaluating quarterbacks and looking to the future, I don't exactly know what his role is supposed to be in all of that. So I consider the dysfunction to be on the Las Vegas side much more so than Los Angeles. Uh, have you ever been against the Chargers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel like you're always on the Chargers. When? Like you are gonna ride this out until the until the bitter tickets. end. <laughs> until the bitter end. Um, look, stenographer. It, it's bad on that side too, uh, and we should address that. Starting center is out. Starting left tackle mm-hmm. is out for the Raiders. In uh, James, mm-hmm. the center, Miller, the left tackle, and questionable is Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. Max Crosby, Crosby, their best players. <laughs> so mm-hmm. playing three with the Raiders right now is difficult. Okay, here's what I will do, and you won't find anything because he has a questionable tag right now. Isn't Antonio Pierce just going to be like, run it? Okay, run it again. Okay, let's run it again with Josh Jacobs. So I'll, I'll take a look at the rushing attempts for Jacobs once those are posted. When they did play earlier this year, Jacobs, 17 rushes, 58 yards, a touchdown. He had eight receptions for 81 yards. Even uh, though O'Connell was the guy, like Devontae still did all right. Eight for 75. Yep. Um, so that was good. You know, the Khalil Mack number is just so juiced because it was that six sack game that we remember against O'Connell. Mm-hmm. And it's minus 140 on over three quarters of a sack. So, I mean, there's no value there. It wouldn't surprise me. If uh, Mac is all amped up and he gets he gets a sack here, uh, so everyone's on Eckler. Is it? What about Palmer? Is that the guy that's going to get the volume for the Chargers side? Is he on the injury report? I I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But thought he was going to play. They have his mm-hmm. prop up at thirty four and a okay. half receiving yards. Maybe questionable. So like, assume he is, but he may not be a hundred percent out there. Yeah, let me. Yeah, so yeah, right. So in in the first time back, does not have a designation. Out. He was a full practice oh, yeah. participant yesterday. Got it. Yeah, last, okay. Last few days he's been full. So okay, yeah, he's good to go. Thirty four and a half seems light. I know you're depending on Easton, but it seems mm-hmm. light. Easton. Is he first name basis <laughs> yet? I can't take him seriously. It's just Three and a half receptions so for Palmer. What? What? <laughs> 
I'd do it. I sure. I, Why yeah. not? Like, look at um, who else is going to get props. it? I mean, Jeez. you know, Quentin Johnson's dead to us. We know that much. And Austin Eckler, you know, how much do we really want to trust him in this spot? Like, you know, he's not going to get the lion's share per se. So I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Easton. This game's stupid. I mean, Anyone want to bet the under? It's, I don't think I can do that. I do, Would we look at Devonte over on his prop or is that just asking way too much in this situation? It was 67 well, the, and a half last night. Uh, he's gone over that six times. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the quarterback, so that's the problem. And the the right. starting quarterback that we think is going to be sucks. And now you're getting a higher number than let's say Palmer. But I do uh, I do like yeah. your game script idea of running the ball a lot with Josh Jacobs and I think if it is Aiden O'Connell, he should be able to get the ball out quickly to Devontae. But yeah, 67 and a half is high. Even mm-hmm. if it's Jimmy G, I think he'd be good for one game. Probably learned his lesson. I mean, both of these teams the have, have just been in games that... So two weeks ago, it was the Chargers that were in that 6 nothing game. Last week, it was mm-hmm. the Raiders and Vikings were scoreless until the last couple minutes. <laughs> like, maybe everyone yeah. was talking last week about the, guy, the game that wasn't going to have a touchdown with the Steelers game. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's this Thursday. Yeah, we were just due. We were just one week early. Like, and that happens yeah. to us all the time. It's fine. Uh, but yeah. yes, you, you mentioned uh, Austin Eckler props. Uh, you know, everybody's betting on him. First to score the first touchdown, seven to one. Anytime touchdown, plus 150. Over four and a half receptions, minus 105. 99% of the bets are on the over. It is all about opportunity. And I think that's probably where this is going. Uh, but the Quentin Johnston look, I, I mean, I don't want to go back to him. I really don't. But has he started as a rookie to show and prove enough to where maybe he's going to have more opportunities and he just got off to a really slow start? I mean, there were high expectations for him, but what you just laid out, isn't that the normal path? Right. The rookie receivers. So it used to be rookie receivers break out in year three and that's Mm -hmm. totally changed over the last few years. But yeah, what you're saying is he was so bad. That's the disappointing part. And there were some other rookies that were balling out. Like people like this guy sucks, you know, and people turned on him quickly. And then, you know, maybe it takes year one. And now we're in the last month and he's going to look closer to what he's going to be in the future. So maybe, I mean, it's got to go somewhere, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't think Easton Stick is great, but let's say he has 200 passing yards. That's still on 200 passing yards. It's not all going to Eckler. You would think Johnston or or Palmer are going to get the uh, the majority of that, and both have very low numbers. The Johnston number is twenty five and a half. Yeah, and maybe the lower number makes me more comfortable, just because like here is a new element where okay, this Raiders pass defense is beatable. The pass rush maybe not so much, but the overall secondary linebackers and coverage like it is a good bit more beatable. Do you go to say the guy who's probably less likely to be game planned for? And to me, that would be mm-hmm. Quentin over Palmer. Yeah. So his longest reception is 14 and a half. He had a 57 yard uh, grab last week. He's gone over 14 and a half in four of the last five games. So if you're looking for one explosive play, but that one explosive play would, you would think it would put him over on yardage too. So <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, one deep bomb and you're fine. One other prop I want to ask you guys about. Uh, Max Crosby, uh, I believe he's questionable at last check, but yes. I feel like he's going to play. How does he not record a sack in a game like this? And I know it's kind of an expensive look uh, at minus 172 from what I've seen, but okay. I feel like there's still value at minus 172. Like in terms of the pass rushers you rely upon the most and who you can trust, how is it not Crosby? How does Easton Stick not hang on to the ball too long when everybody's covered up? And then it's Crosby who kind of cleans up the mess. Is that for a full sack over one sack. or at one? Okay. Yeah. At yeah least no, one. I, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. He's at 13 and a half this mm-hmm. year. I think he's on a three-game sack streak. If, Something wouldn't like surprise that, me yeah. if, he had, if he had multiple sacks in this game on mm-hmm. Stick. Like, he, I, I would he's that. like the – the main identity of this team, I guess him and Devonte, right? I mean, with so many question marks everywhere else, <laughs> like I could see Max Crosby having a big game. I also think when you look at the two coaches, you've got an interim head coach who's probably just like, whatever, you know, but the hot seat for Staley, I still give the edge to the Raiders. I mean, Maybe Antonio Pierce probably won't get the job, but still I could see him trying to win this game. Whereas everything has yeah. just been going wrong for this chargers team. I mean, and the Herbert injury losing him for the season. Like, I just don't know how mentally you really get up to play this game. If you're on I the like chargers, Pierce. everything. I, re- I, don't I really too. like Pierce. He's edgy. I hope he wins a I couple like games him. in the final month. And I, I hope he gets a legitimate shot at the job. I don't know that he's ready for it, but yeah, and it seems like the players really like him too. So I mean, we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know how the it's, Raiders roll. They're so you've got to win this game. But, you know what I yeah, mean? Got, like if you don't, yeah, you've if you don't win this game, like you're not in consideration probably for this. <laughs> no, at the end of not the if you lose the Easton Stick, you're out. It's over. And right. and Staley, who you know has the hottest seat right now, like you got to yeah. win this mm-hmm. game. <laughs> Do you get a new interim head coach if they lose to Easton Stick? Like, is that okay? <laughs> Would that be a weird thing to do? <laughs> a second interim? Yeah. I don't know. Mark this is BetQL Daily good. presented by. <laughs> this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, trend or truth, right here on the BetQL Network. <laughs> well, no, I know why it's on the rundown today. By... There's no reason to do trend <laughs> or truth. We usually do it like on Wednesdays. Paul's like, you know what? Yeah, right. it's Thursday, we got this open segment. I want to play that open and laugh at these morons. Let's do trend or truth. I miss <laughs> the tan much. that I had in that video. My Botox <laughs> from the summer. Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm like, dang, <laughs> I need that look back. Let's Botox is looking right. Uh, yeah. I, man, the yeah, other mine day, too. I was dying. Mine too. I was dying. There we go. Um, my uh like yeah. one of my friend's youngest uh kids daughter she came up to me and she's always hanging out with coach joe right and she just came up to me she's like mommy's eyebrows don't move <laughs> coach joe <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. i cannot <laughs> wait to see like oh, what i'm gonna learn about myself when my daughter can like start being really honest with me and i'm gonna be like oh man i do that or this it's gonna be a humbling uh, experience she oh, starts so opening good. her mouth to me about things <laughs> oh man kids are so honest wait. you gotta love it yeah right 
I, I mean, I'll be seeing my nephews uh, for Christmas uh, in about a week and a half or so. Like, I can't wait to see what comes Aww. out of their mouths. Like, that will be oh, tons man. of fun. And yeah, they're now at the <laughs> age where they can be honest about anything and everything. And like, <laughs> the situational awareness hasn't quite developed. And so, like, those will be stories I can share. I can't wait. Uh, yes, <laughs> welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you at the top of hour number two. We will have Corey Parson, the fantasy exec, giving us some of his favorite plays, uh, NFL and NBA-wise, for this Thursday night. But now, as you saw the Open, it is trend or truth. We recorded those videos back in August or July, and so that's why we look totally different now than we did back yeah. then. <laughs> Thanks a lot, NFL season, for all those unders and why it's aged us so much in such a short period of time. <laughs> uh, but how about we start with the NBA, shall we? Uh, here's a trend that Ben Fox uh, shared with us. The Detroit Pistons have now lost 21 games in a row, tied for the eighth longest losing streak in NBA history. If you started with 100 bucks, bet on every Detroit opponent money line and rolled it over, uh. you'd be up over $95,000 during that streak. So, Joe, are the Pistons just that bad to where we should continue considering such bets? Uh, I considered it yesterday, but the number was double digits and you could understand why and what happened. The Pistons did not cover, but I actually bet on another long losing streak. It, nobody's really not nobody, but most people aren't really talking about it because of the Pistons losing streak. The uh, the Wizards lost again and they did not cover the mm. Pelicans one by 20. So th I, the reason oh, I picked that one is because that was I think I bet it at. Six and a half or seven. I know it closed six and a half uh, last night, but yeah. I mean, when we see these teams playing in games against, you know, just halfway decent teams and the numbers not double digits, I'm going to consider it. Like, that's how bad these teams are. Listen, since you brought up the Wizards, I listened to 1067 The Fan this morning, and Ted Leonsis wants to move the arena outside of D.C. to a suburb in Alexandria, Virginia. And there's fans that are upset. It should be downtown in D.C. I'm never going to go to a game again. I'm not going to be a season ticket holder. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. the junkies were like, listen, if they're winning you're going to go to games. But I'm curious what you guys think about that whole notion, because obviously the Wizards stink right now. But uh, do you think these fans will cool off if they move the yeah, team cool out off. of there? And yeah. I mean, it's yeah, just typical sports radio. Back in the playoffs. Yeah, but they're 3-20. and 20. <laughs> So it's going to be a yeah. long time. Um, yeah, or like San Antonio, too. Yeah, they like San Antonio, too. To turn things around. You could throw them into it. So, uh, yeah, like basically if it's a decent number, should we – these three teams in particular, should we consider fading them anytime at, it, as long as the numbers are yes. not outrageous? Yeah. Yeah, Pistons, Wizards, Spurs. It, you know, it's so funny because I was thinking about this the other day, and it's a slight digression, but, but it involves the Spurs where we're all kind of surprised that with Victor Wimbanyama – and Greg Popovich is head coach that they are as bad yeah. as they are at this point. And I get that last year they had just a ton of injuries. They they were barely piecing a five-man rotation together, five-man starting lineup together, right. much less, you know, having any kind of a bench. But it's still bad for them. And I'm curious, when we talked about, like, the Patriots and Bill Belichick and saying, okay, not that he can't coach anymore – but this situation is out of control to where he's not the guy to lead the Patriots through this dark space. 
I wonder if we need to start saying the same thing about Greg Popovich, that maybe he's not the guy to lead the Spurs out of the out of this dark space. Not that he isn't mm-hmm. the greatest coach in NBA history, but for this one moment in time, maybe somebody else is better equipped to handle what the Spurs have right now. And if that's the case, then this losing skid is not going to end anytime soon. This is what it is, and you're kind of stuck with it before the Spurs do anything massive like change the head coach. And in that respect, I think the Spurs, yes, fading them, probably the right idea. As far as the others go, the Pistons, like at some point, you may have to start replacing young guys with future draft picks. Like, are these guys going Mm -hmm. to develop or not? I think that's a different question. So even though the Pistons have the more glorious losing streak, I would probably a little bit, I'd probably be a bit more apprehensive with them. And then with the Wizards, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. I feel like they've been <laughs> for some time now. I honestly yeah, don't even sure. know who's on the team. They're that bad. Does anybody? Does anybody? <laughs> yeah. right. uh, you know, in Detroit, always, to your point, Detroit always has those high picks, and you're just waiting mm-hmm. for them to improve, and they don't. Like You remember all mm-hmm. their players in college, and it was, you know, top five, top six, again and again and again, and they just can't get it together, with, and they just don't mm-hmm. develop. Maybe something's right. wrong with the coaching. Coaching matters, especially in the uh, early years. Uh, Pop, that's interesting because once they got the one, that narrative stopped. The narrative of right. Pop's near the end. When's he going to retire? And then what happens? They get the one, and that conversation has completely been brushed aside because all the focus has been on Victor Wembanyama. So, yeah, may- mm-hmm. maybe that needs to be revisited a little bit that, you know, taking in taking the Spurs into their their next version of the Spurs like maybe it should be someone else someone who's not going to be here long term right yeah and I don't think there's anything wrong I think probably around now is the time to actually start to consider that possibility and you you build a statue you do all of these great things for him because he certainly deserves it more than any other coach in NBA history but maybe he's just not the guy in the here and the now to lead them forward. And it's okay to say that. Like, it's not a disrespectful thing to say. Uh, Another trend Mm -hmm. uh, that we see here, and let's get to some college football here from John Ewing when it comes to best bowl teams against the spread over the past 10 years. Clemson, 10 and four ATS. Georgia, eight and four ATS. And then with the worst teams against the spread, USC at one and six. Michigan, one and seven. Miami, one and seven. Any of those trends uh, actually point to some truth here. It's impressive how Clemson's 10 and four against the spread in 10 years in bowl games. How does that happen? <laughs> Did they play more than is that one? A mystery? Oh, yeah. Is it four times they did it? I guess so. Because yeah. it's been a while. They... Okay. Yeah, two yeah, national championships, lost to Alabama once, and then lost to LSU. So, okay. Yeah. It's uh, we're going to have stuff like that with these playoffs where you have to play so many more games than what you have right mm-hmm. now. Um, this is a big, fat, dumb trend. Stupid. Different players, <laughs> different rules. We have more opt outs than ever before for good reason. People only care about the playoff. None of this makes any sense. When you see this referenced anywhere, ignore it. Ignore it. Um, I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm trying to think, is, does any of it mean anything? Like the Michigan, when you're not in the playoff, like, yeah, they're all going to opt out and they're one and seven against the spread. That makes sense. Uh, Okay, Duke is six and oh against the spread. Does it mean more to Duke football 
or is that also a trap? Good. That one I could see truth in. The other ones with Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, USC, I think there's just got to be different circumstances year to year, and you can't look too far into it. But a team like Duke, I could see them getting up for a bowl game. Likelihood of Duke players wanting to play one more game and perhaps improve the resume for, say, the next level versus some of these other teams who have maybe like one or two superstars, maybe at quarterback, for instance, and they're deciding to opt out so they can be prepared for the next level. And if that's the case, then basically you're scrambling just to play one football game, whereas the other team may be a little bit more motivated, whatever it is. So as far as Duke goes, I think that makes sense. But Joe, I wanted to ask you about Michigan, uh, one and seven ATS, because I wonder with that brand of football that they play, especially this past season where it was a lot of smash mouth running the football kind of brand. Is it something where you're going up against, you know, a team your size and maybe they just don't know how to handle that? Like you're going up against Georgia and coming up Alabama like they're prepared for smash mouth football. Whereas maybe a lot of these other big 10 teams that you're getting wins against, maybe they're not prepared for what you're doing. You know, you're just bigger, faster, stronger than them. But when you face a team, your size, maybe you don't know how to find some kind of an edge. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good point. It's all about matchups. And whether we're talking about March madness or whether we're talking about these bowl games and who's actually playing. So I'm looking in, you know, the last decade, some of these games, yeah, Florida State, they lost close game. They lost to South Carolina straight up. They lost to Kansas State by multiple touchdowns. South Carolina, the Outback Bowl in uh, January 1st, 2013. Some of it, yeah, you know, you're, they beat up on Florida, though. So that's interesting. Do they care? Mm. Do teams care when it's not the playoff? That's kind of where, where it's at. South Carolina some do, a couple some times. Don't. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think it's we could have these sweeping uh, takeaways here. But I, I would say, Trent, I'm not even paying attention to this. You guys? Fair enough. No. One or two teams, I think there may be something to it. But on the whole, no, I, I really wouldn't. This is BetQL Daily mm-hmm. presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Corey Parson, the fantasy exec. Who he's betting on for Thursday Night Football and who he's betting on for tonight's NBA slate. That's right here on the BetQL Network.